Oftentimes, it's very difficult for transit agencies to test new technologies because the processes they have in place really meant for a stable and steady operations. And so having a new process that helps to test technology is really helpful and key. This is Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Good to be with you on another edition of the world's leading transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged News and Views this week with our newsmaker interview with Stacey Matlin. She's Vice President of Innovation at Partnership for New York. I'm also pleased to continue to bring you leadership development programs on our News and Views programs. This week, it's with Euless Cleckley. You might recall Euless Cleckley has been a guest on our podcast before. He's the director and CEO at the Department of Transportation and Public Works in Miami, Florida, and a leader in our industry. And he'll be bringing you some insights into leadership development that I first heard him give at the Florida Public Transportation Association conference a few months back. But first, a look at headline news. And today it's all about CEO news. First, one CEO leaving and then three brand new CEOs. First off, Tom Lambert. Tom Lambert is CEO of the Metropolitan Transit Authority of Harris County, which is Houston Metro in Texas. He joined that agency in 1979 in its first year of operation and later became the agency's first chief of police and ultimately president and CEO. And a good friend of ours here at the podcast has announced that he will retire at the end of 2023. He said, I've been blessed to have worked with talented staff, a dedicated board, and a wonderful community of partners to provide outstanding multimodal transit operations to this region. But after nearly 45 years at Metro, now is the right time to retire. Lambert negotiated an extension to his current contract to continue with the agency until the end of this year. And the Houston Metro Board Chair Sanjay Ramhamadran said, Metro and the region have benefited tremendously from Tom's leadership and service. I certainly understand his desire to close out his successful career at Metro and spend more time with his family. Lambert has led a team of more than 4,000 working each day, and they serve customers across the authority's 1,300-square-mile service area. Under Lambert's leadership, Houston Metro expanded light rail service, launched the Green and Purple Lines in 2015. That same year, the agency led the nation in redesigning its entire local bus network in what has affectionately become known as the Houston Plan. They improved transit options seven days a week, and it really was the lead in the United States, the lead agency in uh, rebooting the bus networks, which became very popular uh, in the next five years as transit agencies around the country uh, reconfigured their bus routes to meet the needs of current customers to see an increase in ridership. Tom has been a bastion of leadership to the industry. He certainly will be missed. Congratulations on a long and successful career, Tom. And now a look at some new CEOs coming on board. First off, we go to Kansas City. The Kansas City Area Transportation Authority, KCATA, has announced Frank White III as the permanent president and CEO. In August of 2022, White was unanimously named to the interim CEO position by the 10-member KCATA board. With this new appointment, he's the first African-American to lead the organization as CEO, and uh, we wish him great wishes in his uh, new permanent position, and I'm excited to announce that he has uh, told me he's going to come and be on a brand new CEO panel that I'm hosting at the Think Transit conference 
at the beginning of April, the executive summit, we're going to put on a panel. Charlotte Shaw, my friend from Birmingham, Alabama, had suggested to me there's so many brand new CEOs with under one year on the job that we should put them on a panel, put several of them or many of them on a panel, which is exactly what we're going to do. I'm excited that uh, Frank and Charlotte are going to help lead that group, as well as several other CEOs. Speaking of new CEOs, let me announce two other brand new CEOs to their positions. Dottie Watkins has been named president and CEO of the Capital Metropolitan Transportation Authority, commonly known as Cap Metro in Austin, Texas. She has served as interim CEO since June of 2022. Watkins joined Cap Metro in 1994, working as a part-time shuttle bus driver while attending the University of Texas at Austin. She has since held a variety of leadership roles, including vice president of bus operations and maintenance, chief customer officer, chief operating officer, and deputy CEO. Congratulations to Dottie Watkins. And finally, Tiffany Humbler Hawkins. She is the new chief executive officer of the Central Florida Regional Transportation Authority, or LINX, in Orlando, Florida. She has served as interim CEO since August of 2022, following the passing of Jim Harrison. Hawkins has worked with or for the agency for more than 20 years, most recently as Chief Administrative Officer overseeing the planning, marketing, grants, and governmental affairs team, and she oversaw construction of the Lynx Central Station. She has served as president of the WTS Central Florida chapter and several other important community organizations. Congratulations to Tiffany Homler Hawkins in her new role as CEO of Lynx. Did you notice a trend there? All three of them served as acting CEO for several months before they were chosen. And congratulations to all of them as they take on this most important role in transit agencies leading them and the chief executive officer position. And now, on to our episode today with an interview with Stacy Matlin, Vice President of Innovation at Partnerships for New York. And be sure to stay tuned to the end of the podcast to hear from Eulis Cleckley on leadership development. I'm Paul Comfort. Enjoy the show. Hi, this is Paul Comfort, host of Transit Unplugged. And on today's episode, we have a great newsmaker interview with Stacy Matlin. Stacy is Vice President of Innovation at the Partnership for New York City, works with the Transit Tech Lab. Stacy was a guest on our Transit Unplugged TV show when we covered the Comotion event in, in uh, December of last year. Uh, the podcast aired, the TV show aired. Stacy, thank you so much for being our guest today on the show. Happy to join. Thanks for having me. You're calling in from New York City, right? Correct. Yeah, the Big Apple. Uh, <laughs> a lot going on in New York City. We were happy to have Rich Davey on the program uh, at the end of last year, who was president of New York City Transit. And we also, um, just uh, recently had Catherine Rinaldi, who was CEO of Metro North Trains uh, and uh, Long Island Railroad. So great to have uh, another representative of New York City. A lot of folks don't realize, Stacey, that New York City represents, at least pre-pandemic, you know, a plurality of all the public transit trips offered in the United States. They were at 40% of all rides in America. That's amazing. Yeah, it's quite incredible. And we have such incredible infrastructure to work with um, between the MTA, Port Authority, New Jersey Transit, and uh, NYC DOT. These are all of our regional partners that we work with, and they're all part of our program that we run here at the Trend Tech Lab. Well, tell us about it. Tell us about the program, how Partnership for New York works and all that, because it is a very, I think, interesting, innovative approach. So I work for a nonprofit called the Partnership for New York City, which represents the business community and really 300 plus of the largest employers and CEOs. Uh, based in New York, working to make New York the global hub of innovation and commerce. Um, and in 2018, 
the partnership for New York City worked with the MTA to create a public-private partnership uh, where we were tasked to seek the most innovative companies from around the world and demonstrate how public transit can benefit from that and really making New York the global leader in public transit. Um, and a main program that came out of that, the public-private partnership, is called the Transit Tech Lab. And this is an annual challenge where every single year we work with the MTA, but we also work with all of our regional transit partners. So as I mentioned, Port Authority, New Jersey Transit, and New York Department of Transportation. And so we work with all of them to, to really ask, you know, what are your biggest challenges that you want to focus on this year? Uh, from there, we create typically around two broad challenge statements uh, that capture their challenges. And then we go out to market and we request innovative companies from all around the world to apply and demonstrate how they can uh, solve that problem. Really, to date, we've run eight challenges, tested 36 concepts, conducted 23 pilots, which have led to six commercial procurements. So really with the Transit Tech Lab, companies get an opportunity to work with the largest transit agencies in North America, and the agencies get an opportunity to test the technology at no or low risk to them. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So as, as vice president of innovation, what's your job there? What do you do? My job is to make sure the whole process runs smoothly. Um, we really, we work with all of our partners, all of the, the regional agencies and uh, the, the staff who really do such incredible work to make sure that we're always aligned with their priorities. Um, and then we also work with the startups who come through our program and help guide and mentor them and make sure that, you know, they're all speaking the same language and help facilitating this testing process. I know you and I talked uh, when we were at Commotion, uh, which is another hub of innovation for our whole industry. We were talking about some of the successes you've had. Tell us about one or two of them to kind of give us a context for the type of programs you're talking about. Yeah, uh, happy to. So so one example, a company called Axon Vibe, they, during the pandemic, they were able to quickly create the Essential Connector app, which provided over 300,000 rides to essential workers during the height of the pandemic when subways were closed for cleaning. Um, we also, the, the public-private partnership helped foster a pro bono contract uh, to make the award-winning live subway map, which shows where trains are in real time on a scalable map, uh, redrawing itself when lines or stations are down. So those are just some examples of, of work that we've facilitated in the past. That's great. And you have a new challenge coming up. Tell us about that. We have two new challenges, actually, oh, okay. which is very exciting. Even um, better. So... The, the two new challenges, we, we launched these publicly on January 5th, and we are accepting applications until March 2nd. And these two challenges are around one, operational efficiency, and two, human capital. So the operational efficiency challenge asks, how do we utilize new tools to increase operational efficiencies? And really, it's this, in this post-pandemic environment where there's reduced ridership and revenue, all the New York City transit agencies are looking for new tools that can reduce costs while increase operational efficiency. So anything such as predictive maintenance, uh, tools to prevent fare evasion or uh, improve efficiency of processing fare evasion summons to predicting and uh, mitigating operational disruptions, um, helping to prioritize staff resources, et cetera, et cetera. We have a long list of use cases on our website, so I encourage you to check that out. And then for the human capital challenge, how to best utilize human capital resources, it's really around this challenge that not just New York regional agencies, but I believe APTA put out a report that 96% of 
uh, transit agencies across the U.S. are facing staffing shortages. Yes. And so it really, to meet service needs, agencies are, are seeking new tools to improve employee recruitment and retention. And so anything from enhanced training tools um, uh, to speed up and improve hiring and onboarding to um, tools to help recruit and retain operation staff, especially those with CDL licenses, et cetera, et cetera. So again, um, I encourage you to go to transitinnovation.org slash lab. And there you'll see our, our lab website in addition to um, the two challenges that you, you can see. And when you click on them, they'll have information about uh, when the challenges are, key dates, uh, info session that's that's coming up on, uh, I believe, February 15th at 1 p.m. to the use cases to instructions on how to apply. So uh, lots of information. So really, if you want to go check out our website, that's the best resource we have. That's great. Thank you, Stacey. And I guess my last question for you is, uh, since you are right there in New York City and working in close uh, consultation with some of the biggest businesses there, as well as with the MTA, what do you see happening in public transit uh, headed into 2023? I know congestion charging is a hot topic. I just interviewed someone about that topic recently. Um, what else do you see coming for public transit in general, innovation-wise and for the service itself, you know, with a three-day city and all that happening? Yeah, well, I mean, New York is not the only public transit agency that's uh, really trying to think of new revenue sources to uphold and continue to maintain service. So congestion pricing is probably one of the best tools that we have to have consistent revenue um, to to make sure that our, our resources in public transit are continue to be invested in. Um, and ideally, this this passes and and can be a, a roadmap and model for other transit agencies in America. So understanding how to uh, make sure we can continue to provide service, have new sources of revenue that are sustainable, and providing good service as as we adjust in this um, time when it's still post pandemic, adjusting trends and behaviors, and really making sure we have tools to be as adaptive as possible. And really, the Transit Tech Lab, we are a, a tool that helps agencies be flexible and be adaptive and test technologies really quickly to understand uh, how to meet the changing needs in a uh, changing environment. Are you aware of any other groups like yours around the country? There are a few. There's, for example, I know there's Urban Movement Labs in LA and I also oh, yeah. DC in I, I interviewed LA. Sam there a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. So so there's a couple of groups doing work like this. Um and and I know there's some regional um alliances like smart city alliances that work with transit agencies. I know um in Columbus there's there's a great group uh oh, yeah. partnership that does this. So so there's a couple That's of right. it, but everyone has their own unique flair and way that they helped uh test these technologies. Yeah, well, I think it's I think it's key because you know I work for a technology company, Medaxo, and uh, technology is the way that public transit agencies can really adapt themselves, as you mentioned, to the needs of of today and tomorrow. As I've traveled around, I think I visited, say, see more transit agencies in person in the last five years than anyone else that at least I'm aware of. I think I've been to seventy five transit agencies around the world. Uh, visited them, went into their operations control center, walked the yard. And it just surprises me how antiquated some of the technology is that are still being used in transit agencies. What I, I, I say they're like stuck in the 90s. Um, you know, I was at one major transit agency just a year ago and, you know, they were still having somebody walk the yard to identify where all the vehicles were in the yard and then bring that back in on a piece of paper and stick it up on the dispatch wall so they could see where the buses are. And of course, they could have moved within the last two or three hours. That, that's the kind of thing I think it's important, the important work you're doing, which is testing out new technology, making sure it works for transit agencies, 
Our friend Nat Ford is doing similarly down in Jacksonville, Florida, where he has a test and learn facility on autonomous vehicles, live autonomous vehicles, running them in the rain and heat and all that stuff. So uh, I guess the last, uh, I'll give you the last word on the importance of technology for transit. So there are many tools that transit agencies can use to respond. Technology is just one of them. But oftentimes, as you mentioned, it's very difficult for transit agencies to test new technologies because the processes they have in place really are not are, are meant for a stable and steady operations. And so uh, having a new process that helps to test technology is really helpful and key. And that's essentially what the Transit Tech Lab is. So I'm a big fan of the model. My my background, I had uh, worked in the public sector and I had a startup before that. And really, I think that this sort of third-party nonprofit facilitated model to help test technologies before you have to do a two-year-long procurement is really key and uh, would love to see this model replicated in other cities across America. Well, thank you for the work you're doing in helping our industry. Amazing. Thank you. Hi, I'm Alea Carey, a communications consultant who loves working with public transit agencies. We used to call them advertising specialties, but today we mostly use the word swag to refer to the small items and tokens we put our brands on and give away to promote our organizations. Also, traditionally, most of these little items are made of plastic, and after a few feel-good rounds of enjoyment, They end up in, best case scenario, a thrift store, or worse, a landfill. And neither of those is a great outcome for your brand. So what's an environmentally and socially responsible transit agency supposed to do for swag? Happily, there are several new companies that now offer environmentally friendly promotional items. These can include notepads and pencils, metal commuter cups and water bottles, and steel straws that come in a little canvas pouch bearing your logo. Also. Some providers can make items using planet-friendly production processes. If you're really interested in overhauling your entire swag approach, consider not just sustainable materials, but completely local providers. Many agencies I know have focused on working with local artists and artisans to create limited-edition designs and custom ideas for transit organizations. This works especially well when you partner with a local food company to create things like custom pastries for an event. Sure, your customers won't have that cookie to carry around for months, but the good taste of your choice will linger. And you might get a press opportunity in this interesting approach. If you'd like to talk more about modern-day swag or anything else related to communications and public transit, look me up on LinkedIn. My first name is spelled E-L-E-A, last name C-A-R-E-Y. Thanks for sticking with us today on Transit Unplugged. And now we're on to our new feature on leadership development in public transportation. Excited to have with us today, Euless Cleckley, who is the director and CEO of the Miami-Dade Department of Transportation and Public Works. Euless is a good friend of mine. Thank you so much for being on the program today. Uh, Thank you, Paul. It's always great to have a conversation with you, especially about this topic called leadership. So thank you. Yes. Tell us about that. Why is leadership important? You've held a number of leadership roles in our industry. Yes, yes. Leadership is uh, extremely important. Uh, One is that uh, strong leadership not only helps to run a efficient, effective and productive department, but it really helps the individuals that work for that organization to maximize their potential. And uh, what I found in a variety of different uh, positions I've held is that if you have a lack of leadership within a specific department, not only impacting that department's department's, uh, ability to be sound and, and do what's best for uh, the general public, especially from a transportation service standpoint, 
but you're impacting sometimes generations of employees and their families. If you do not set a culture that really cultivates leadership and leadership really is about people and it's about the people you serve. And it's also about the staff that comes, works very hard for you every single day. And so if you're not focused on making sure you're preparing and protecting your staff and you're leading your staff and you're setting a sound vision for them, uh, you're really uh, putting a department in a bad position to not be as effective as what it could be. And then for those employees that are highly talented and could go on to do great things, you're suppressing their their ability to do so. And so, you know, I found that uh, strong leaders create that culture where everybody feels empowered and they come to work energized and excited and then they go on to do great things. And so it's extremely important uh, from a general public as well as an individual employee standpoint to make sure that a department and organization really is led by strong leaders. And you have a few principles you like to focus on, right? You and I were recently at the Florida Public Transportation Association Conference, and I asked you to share, I'd like you to kind of run through those with our listeners today. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 this is uh, based off of my experience and what I've not only seen and observed from other leaders that I respect throughout the industry, but also what I've uh, had to, uh, I would say, endure and or expect from myself to make sure that I lead my staff appropriately. And, and I always start off with uh, this acronym called REPS. And I'll, I'll talk about the first half of it is, is R-E-P-P-S. And I'll talk to the R, the E, and the P aspect of, of REPS. And, and the first uh, uh, letter in this acronym, R, uh, really is about results. And at the end of the day, uh, the general public, whether you're in transit or you know, in our case on the public work side, uh, and then transportation as a whole, uh, you, you know, your job is to make sure that you are delivering projects, programs, uh, policies and services that make people's lives better. And so really, at the end of the day, it's about the result, the outcome. What do you, what are you doing to ensure that you are being progressive and you're showing improvement? And a lot of times what we end up doing just naturally because of the work a lot of day on a day to day basis is it's um uh, I, uh, one that uh, we have to do a lot of activity and the like, uh, but there's a difference between just doing things and progression. Uh, and really progression is about improving the current status, making things better, whether it be the assets you're responsible for and making them uh, be in a better condition and state of good repair, uh, the service that you're providing, making sure that that service is one that's efficient and safe for the people that you serve and, and that you're measuring those results. At the end of the day, if you focus in on that first, Above all, everything that you do should be focused on outcome and results and results oriented. And if you do that, then not only your staff can can uh, have a, a situation where they're being acknowledged for the results and the positive things that are done, uh, that also kind of rolls up uh, from the leadership standpoint where uh, as the department begins to build a brand that you can deliver results is extremely important. So, so always focus on results, number one. Number two, uh, and, and the second letter in the acronym is E, that stands for expectations. Um, and so from my experience, uh, what I've, I've tried to do when I started off in a, a new uh, leadership role is really spend time listening to the staff and trying to understand where the specific organization uh, was in terms of its performance. Uh, but then uh, after doing an evaluation, setting a a not only aspirational, but achievable vision for that specific organization, department or division. And when you set a vision, that means you set an expectation. And, and for example, 
uh, and now in Miami-Dade, our vision that we've created is to be the world's best provider of transportation options. And yes, that's an aspirational goal. It's a very lofty goal, but I truly believe that we can get there. Now, how do you, uh, your mission and the goals and the tactics need to align with trying to meet that vision. So that's the expectation where one, the staff needs to understand that we are here to be high performing individuals, divisions and, and departments, uh, but also everybody else that's involved in helping us to meet that vision needs to step up and meet those high level uh, performance expectations. And so when you're trying to be the best and the world's best, you should expect the best out of every single individual that's working for you. So one, setting that high expectation and then it generates a great vision and it generates a lot of interest in making sure people come in every day and figure out a way to meet that vision that you set and that expectation to be the world's best. So you should ask yourself, uh, you know, my response to a customer today, uh, road transit, uh, if I'm a bus operator, did I provide that tight level of expectation to, to make sure that that individual knows that we're one of the world's best providers of transportation options. And it just trickles and, and goes throughout the entirety of the department. And so always set expectations and don't be afraid to, to reach far because you never know uh, the individuals that you have within the department, their ambition. And if you set a very lofty goal, you'll be surprised that they'll end up most times meeting that goal. Uh, and, and the last thing I'll just mention is uh, the, the P. Uh, so it's R-E-P. Uh, and the, that that first P in reps is is about people. And I've mentioned people throughout uh, our conversation today, but people comes uh, come really in two forms in terms of what you need to focus in on a leader. One is focus on the people you're here to serve, the customer, the general public. Uh, again, making sure that you're providing uh, those types of uh, services and programs that make uh, and projects that make sense for them and you're listening to them. Uh, but also making sure that before you start talking about delivering any of those projects, programs, and services, uh, you need to focus on leading your staff. And, and if you are not figuring out ways to protect and position and provide the proper amount of training, support, and empowerment to your staff, you're not maximizing your job as a leader. So it always starts off with your staff first. And sometimes that's very difficult, especially in public sector life. When uh, a lot of times it's focused on the individual, but always challenge ourselves to figure out ways that we first focus on the staff. And and the question I always ask all of my leaders is, who have you identified on your team that is ready to take your job when you go elsewhere? And who and how are you preparing that individual to take take your job and do it better than perhaps what you did? And if you're not focusing uh, in that aspect, if you're not building that culture then you're, again, suppressing somebody's ambition uh, to, to do great things within uh, their specific job, division, department, or in the industry. And so I'm very much focused on making sure that I empower the staff, um, that I act as a coach and I put people in the right position to maximize their potential. And at the end of the day, if, if they are doing their best, uh, the department will do their best, and then we'll ultimately end up in a situation where the general public and the people that we serve are really getting in an apartment that's meeting all of their needs. So those that's that's the first half of reps, our EP. And, and at some point in time, Paul, we, we can come back and talk about uh, the second P and the S. That's awesome. Those are really good, uh, really good thoughts. Ulysses, in, in our positions in public transit or government um, or wherever we're at, would you tell me one, one follow-up question is, who defines what results you should be going for in your book? I'm very much focused on making sure that we look at data. So 
a lot of times we, again, we, we do things or we're just active and we show numbers in terms of production. Right. Like a gerbil or a hamster in a wheel spinning right. around, right? Oh, I right. did a hundred reps today. Yeah. You didn't get anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> didn't get anywhere. Right. And, and, and sometimes again, if you don't set the expectation, you didn't know where you were going to go in the first place. Right. Yes. So, yes. That's so, good. So, so I, I, you know, one aspect that we're focusing on in the department, every place I've been is, is one, we want to be a organization that is data driven. And you turn data and numbers into information to help you make sound decisions. And so that's one. And the second, that data is helping you to track your performance. So you, so you want to be in a position where you're tracking everything as much as you can. And then you have the supportive uh, technology or systems to help you uh, uh, track that performance. And so uh, one, data is extremely important to set the baseline. And then you, you perform some analytics to actually set a goal or a target. And you do that for as much as you can within an, in the entirety of the department. And that should lead into, well, here's how we set our, our specific goals and, and expectations moving forward. Very good. Thank you, Ulis Cluckley, for sharing some leadership principles with our listeners around the world. Thank you very much, Paul. Appreciate it. And until next time, um, I hope everybody has a great day and uh, enjoys this uh, this podcast. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged News and Views with our special guests, Stacey Matlin and Ulysses Kleckley. Coming up next week on Transit Unplugged In-Depth, we have Mazali Mustafa, CEO of Sarawak Metro in Malaysia. Now, don't forget to go to transitunplugged.com to sign up for the newsletter so you're always in the loop with whatever's going on with the show. But if you'd like to reach out to us, feel free to email us at info at transitunplugged.com. So until next week, ride safe and ride happy. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Transit Unplugged, the podcast. How would you like to see behind the scenes footage of the agencies that Paul visits? Then be sure to check out the new Transit Unplugged TV on YouTube where transit evangelist Paul Comfort dives into the culture, the food, and the transit of major cities around the world. You'll see the operations control centers, how maintenance shops work, and the latest innovations taking place at agencies around the globe as we work together to improve the lives of our transit riders and our communities. Be sure to subscribe to Transit Unplugged TV on YouTube or at transitunplugged.com.